Well, today, this is a special day. This is a special weekend for three reasons. One, because it's Memorial Day, and that's a special occasion in itself. We're so thankful for the freedoms that we have, even to assemble like this. And number two, we had missionaries pop in today, and we're glad to hear from them. And, uh, well, we're going to be praying for you guys, and we appreciate how, what God's doing in your life and your willingness to go and do God's will and do his work. Uh, that's such a blessing. And that testimony, brother, thank you all for that. That was so inspiring and encouraging to us. And then our third reason is because today is my wife and I, it's our anniversary. So we're celebrating. <clears throat> thank you so much. We're celebrating 30 years. I know we don't look like it, but anyway. <laughs> we were talking on the way over here about, um, about that. You know, this is, man, 30 years. This is when most people are on a cruise somewhere or whatever. And we're on our way to church. But there's no way we'd rather celebrate it than being right here with you and right here at church. Uh, you know, we've given our life to the ministry and raised our kids in church. And, and we just thank God for the privilege to do that. And uh, so we, we really, really mean that. It's, it's a joy to be here today celebrating with y'all and uh, be here on this occasion. So God bless you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being here today. If you have your bulletin uh, inside, there is a gospel message. I want to encourage you to read that and then pass it along because there are so many, just like he said this morning, there are so many who need to hear the gospel. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're in America, but, man, we are living on a mission field. If you don't believe that, pick up, pick up the newspaper, turn on the news, get on the Internet, just take a look around you, and you will see that there are a lot of people who need God right here at home, right here. So let's be missionaries in the sense that we're going to share the gospel with them. So read it first and then pass it along uh, to somebody who, who else w- would like to read it or need to read it. You can leave it for them to find or you can hand it to them personally. Invite them to church, uh, however you feel led to express that. But give that gospel invitation to somebody so that they can have a chance to hear what our missionaries have shared with us today. Uh, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what a difference he can make in our lives. Let's take the Bibles, if you would, and open the Word of God to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> I was thinking about Memorial Day and what this, what this weekend means to us and, and um, how fitting it really is to the Christian life. The Lord kind of gave me this thought to share with you. And so I'm going to give my best effort to do that this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to read just a couple of verses, verses 6 through 8. Right, we'll read that together. So once you've found your place, if you'd stand with us for the reading of God's word, we'll have prayer, and then we'll begin reading in verse 6. All right, so let's pray together. Lord, how we love you today, how we thank you for the privilege of knowing you and serving you. The privilege, Lord, to be here today, to assemble together with other believers to be encouraged by them, their testimonies, Lord, and also by your precious word. What a great privilege. Lord, sometimes because we have this so often, we don't realize how great it is and how good we have it. And we want to just take a moment, Lord, to thank you so much for these things. Thank you for the great fellowship of Christian friends and of other brothers and sisters in Christ like our missionary friends who joined us today, not by their appointment, Lord, but obviously by your appointment. We thank you, Lord, so much for bringing them our way. 
And now we thank you, Lord, for the precious word of God that has touched all of our lives in different ways. We thank you for the way you speak to us, the way you make the word of God personal and and alive. And Lord, we just ask that you do that one more time this morning. Holy Spirit of God, we pray you just take these words and use them to guide and to instruct, Lord, to convict where necessary, to strengthen and encourage all of us today that we too might do your will. And we ask you to have your will and way in this service. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. All right, verse 6, the Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul is writing to Timothy, his uh, son in the faith, he called him. And he says in verse 6 at the end of this book, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. What a powerful text. I want to preach on this thought this morning, a life well lived. A life well lived. Thank you. You may be seated. Paul said, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. If you've studied the Word of God, you know that as Paul wrote these words, he was anticipating and he was writing about his coming execution. Paul was literally at the end of his life and at the end of his journey, and he knew his days now were few. Yet he writes these words to Timothy and almost sounds as if there's no remorse whatsoever. He writes them without fear. He writes them in great faith. And as we think about the life of the Apostle Paul, how that he, at the end of his life, looking toward his last days, is able to say this with such faith, with such confidence and assurance, with with such rejoicing, knowing what he's invested in the Lord's work. He said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. What a great testimony and a legacy of faith to leave behind, especially to young Timothy. I was thinking about the Apostle Paul, who lived a life more meaningful than that, other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I dare say no one, and, and I think we would all agree, Paul, he had a life well lived. You know, I was thinking about those who have paid the ultimate price serving our country. I, I thought about those who had lost their life. And so often when that happens, we consider it a great tragedy. And, and, in, and it is, in a way. But how, how you look at it matters. You know, I was thinking about when we give our life to a cause, when we give our life to a purpose, then, then you know it's not just a tragedy. Sometimes we think, especially when it comes to young people, that they gave their life and they left us early. And, and though we are saddened by the loss of their presence, yet understand this, they gave their life to a cause, to a great cause, And what did it do? It added significance and value and meaning to their lives. What a great illustration. I thought about Paul. This this text came to mind, and I thought about the life he lived. Think about Paul, the apostle, and, and how God used him to write the New Testament and to create and, and, and establish what we now know as the local church. 
and all of the, the teaching and, and training and indoctrination we have about local church basically comes from the writings of Paul. Listen, if Paul had stayed a Pharisee in Jerusalem, we wouldn't have any of that. But because God got a hold of his life, because Paul got saved, and because Paul lived for others, hey, his life dramatically changed. And as he writes these words now, we can reflect, looking back, and say Paul had a life well lived. I think that's the case when I think about our fallen heroes. If we look past the tragedy of the end of their life, we have to realize and look around and see especially in the world climate that we live in today, we have to realize that they gave themselves to a great cause and that should cause us to appreciate and not take for granted the great freedoms that we enjoy in America today. Brethren, we, we have the freedom to assemble today without fear around the word of God and be taught and encouraged. We can be visited and surprised by missionaries today because they have the freedom to come and go and travel uh, freely. And, and other countries don't enjoy this. Unless you've had contact with them or unless you've been around a little bit, you, you lose sight of that. And we just take for granted what we have as if everyone has this, and they do not. What a powerful truth. The reality of that, though, should cause us to appreciate our blessings and appreciate the cause for which our men and women have given their lives so that you and I might have freedom, so that we can assemble, so that we do have some basic rights, and we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ freely around the world. Thank God for that. A life well lived. So I wanted to put together some thoughts today to help us all understand how to have a life well lived. And as you talk to others about this topic over the weekend, and as you interact, as you remember our fallen, then you'll be able to, to, to connect these points in relation to those stories. If you want to have a life well lived, I believe, number one, in order, if we're going to be scriptural about it, if we're going to see it from God's point of view, if you want to have a life well lived, number one, you need to make sure that you're saved. Make sure that you're saved. You know, if we take an excerpt from our brother's testimony this morning, he gave you basically both sides of the spectrum, life without Christ and life with Christ. Oh, what a difference our Lord makes. If you're going to have a life well lived, then you need to make sure you're saved. Because in Mark chapter 8, and if you don't mind, just turn there if you will, I want you to see this scripture. You may want to mark it so that you can share it with someone else this weekend or in the near future as God leads. In Mark chapter 8, the Lord Jesus confronts us with a, a life-changing truth as we understand this, this, simple, uh, this simple truth that he's sharing with us. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, the Lord Jesus himself said, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall it profit a man? And so I ask you, how can you have a life well lived without Christ? How can you have a life well lived if you're not saved? If your sins are not forgiven? If your home is not in heaven? How is that a life well lived? Truly, friend, it's not. You know, sometimes we can be deceived about what a life well lived really is when we think only about this life. But the truth is, when you look at life from God's point of view, you not only see this life, but the life hereafter. 
when we understand eternity, then we know that this life is just such a small part of our existence. And if you live it all for now and you make no preparation for the future, is that really a life well lived? I say not. The Lord Jesus is trying to get us to understand this when he asks us that great question, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Hey, listen, so what if you become a Bill Gates? Or should I say now, an Elon Musk? If you had all the money that you could ever amass, can I remind you, it's just paper. And the only reason that paper has value is because our government printed serial numbers on it and said you could exchange with it. If you had gold in your pocket, hey, when you get to heaven, you know that's just going to be pavement. <laughs> Think about that. What we fail to understand sometimes, we get so caught up in the values of this world and the things that this world says is important. We forget about what God values and what God says is important. And I'm telling you, God's values are going to be in place longer than this world's values. So if you really want to have a life well lived, adopt his values and get prepared for eternity. Live like Jesus said, and you'll have a life well lived. Because he said, what shall it profit a man if you gain the whole world, if you had everything money could buy? But if you lose your own soul, if you die without Christ and split hell wide open, what good is that? It won't matter then how much money you had. It won't matter if you were famous. It won't matter if you had the best life could offer. You'll be like the rich man in hell saying, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and just cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Hey, that's no good. And if you live lavishly, and then die and go to hell. That is not a life well lived. As Paul wrote these final words, we could say he had a life well lived even if we just knew that he met Christ on the Damascus Road. After that, even if he had stayed in Jerusalem, he would have had a life well lived because of Jesus. That's how good God is. But Paul didn't stop there and neither should we. Number two, if you want to have a life well lived, here, here's, here's, here's the immensity of the message right here in this point and the next, and that is don't live for self. If you want to have a life well lived, don't live it for self. You know, that's the mistake I think most people are, are making. I think that's the, most, that's the most common mistake that people have made is that they've just drifted through life living it for self. You know, Paul talks about that in the scriptures, how, how that we just fulfill our appetites and our desires we're just, we're just going through life fulfilling our desires, right? But look, if they're not desires God put in your heart, if they're not things God gave you to do, if you're just filling your desires of temporal things, then you have to remember that once you enter eternity, all that will pass away. The Bible says the things of this world are going to pass away one day and that all things are going to become new. Paul talked about the trial of our life works, how that some would be wood, hay, and stubble, that's going to burn up. It's going to be gone. But then other things, the things we do for God, are going to be like jewels and precious stones. And those things are what we're going to receive a reward for. So understand the difference. When we live for self, that's in the, that's in the wood and the hay and the stubble category. Living for self. Self is the one that says bigger house, better car, nicer things. You know, look, there's nothing wrong with having things. 
I've lived my whole life in the ministry. I've never made a lot of money. I've never, I've never lived, you know, and had fancy things and all of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm not really uh, remorsing about that. Sure, it'd be nice to have nicer things and better things. I'd be okay with that. But, but if you're going to have it, my question to you is, what will you do with it? If we're going to have more stuff, if we're going to have more money, greater wealth, more influence and fame and all of these things, wouldn't it make sense then, if we want to have a life well lived, wouldn't it make sense then not to use it for self, but to use it for God, to invest what we have into something that's going to be lasting? I think of people like Bill Gates and Elon Musk, these guys that have money and and, and there are many others. I'm just using them because everybody knows those names. But think about it. If that's all you did was amass it here, it will make no difference in eternity. There's no reward in that. We think at the end of life someone's going to king you. And you die and go to the grave. Then what? You can't take it with you. In heaven, it won't matter unless you did something meaningful with it. Right? Unless you did something meaningful with it. So don't live it for self. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9, and let me show you this verse. Actually, two verses. In Luke chapter 9, we have some great admonition from the Scriptures. Notice Luke chapter 9, notice verse 23 and 24. The Bible says, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, that's, that's how the Christians should live their life. That should be the Christian philosophy of living. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. You know, if, if we did that, that question that they used to ask years ago would be relevant to us today. You know that question? What would Jesus do? How could I please Jesus? What would make the Lord happy? What would glorify him? And so if you had a million dollars, what would you do with it? Maybe that's the reason why God hadn't given it to us yet. <laughs> right? We don't know what we'd do with it. Maybe we wouldn't do the right thing with it. Would you live for self? Notice Jesus said, don't live for self. Jesus said, deny yourself. Tell yourself no sometimes. It's healthy. Right? We believe it's healthy to tell our kids no. What about telling us no? Deny yourself. He said, take up your cross. And he said, follow me. You know what? You can't really follow the Lord without taking up that cross. You can't really, you can't really follow the Lord effectively without denying yourself. Because you can't have Christ on the throne of your heart and self on the throne of your heart at the same time. It's going to be one or the other. And so if you want to live for God, you're going to have to surrender self, die to self. It's a great principle in the Bible, but it's one that a lot of people skip over because, you know, it's not popular, it's not fun to talk about that. That's not really a big amen point right there. Die to self. Deny yourself. Oh, well, that's, you know, that doesn't feel good. The point I'm trying to make is, and this is the point I think Jesus was trying to make, he's trying to say, don't live for yourself. I got to thinking about that point, don't live for yourself. And I thought about that movie, It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen that? 
Do you watch it every year for Christmas? Many people do. It's a great movie. You know the movie about George Bailey and how he had big dreams about how he wanted to live his life, but he ended up staying in Bedford Falls, right? The crummy little town that he couldn't shake the dust off his feet fast enough. And then he had a wish, and his wish got granted to know what it would be like if he had never been born. And then we got to see George Bailey as if he had never influenced anyone. George Bailey as if he had only lived for himself. George Bailey as if he had never done anything for anyone else. Because you know that was the first part. Life in Bedford Falls, staying at the savings and loan. Remember that? That was George Bailey living for everybody else like his dad did. That was George Bailey providing homes for people and shelter and and good things in the community and all of that at great personal sacrifice. In contrast, we got to see later the George Bailey that didn't do anything for anybody. And what was the conclusion of the movie? George Bailey himself said, it's a wonderful life. I'd rather go to jail in Bedford Falls than live for myself in Pottersville. And can I say, that really is what life's about. Those are your choices. Live for self in Pottersville or live in Bedford Falls for others. What will it be? I thought about his brother, Harry. Do you remember what happened? He rescued his brother, and then later he went on. Uh, He went in the military, and you remember he saved all those lives and got a Medal of Honor? And then when, when George got his, got his wish that, that he had never influenced anyone else's life, like he had never been born, Harry died as a kid. And in that version of life, Harry died as a child, which means he never went in the military, he never saved all those lives, he never got the Medal of Honor. And I thought, man, what, what a life for old Harry. He's born, lived a while, and died. Or... He was born, saved a bunch of lives, right? Which life is better? The life lived for others? Which life for George Bailey was better? The life lived for others? Which life for the Apostle Paul was better? Being a Pharisee in Jerusalem or meeting Christ on the Damascus Road and starting New Testament churches all over the known world? The life lived for others? And isn't that what Jesus did? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came so he could die for us. It was a life lived for others. So, dear Christian friend, what are we doing with the life God has given us? If you want to have a life well lived, make sure you're saved. And then don't live for self. Don't live for yourself. Look past yourself. And see what God has for you around you. See what others need and see what God is doing or maybe wants to do in your life. Because, look at the next verse, verse 24. Luke chapter 9, verse 24 says, For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same will save it. We find purpose and meaning, a life well lived, when we give our lives in service to Jesus Christ. When we live it for others and not for self. When we live for the Lord and not for self. That's why this couple's going to Panama. Amen. Because they said that's a life well lived. It's better than bouncing back and forth between South Carolina and Arkansas. Or wherever else, right? Living for Jesus. Hey, it's a meaningful life. 
Verse 24 applies to both points. Number two, we said don't live for self. Number three, here's, an, here's something to add like, like, the, like the other side of that coin. Point number three would be be intentional about serving God. Be intentional about serving God. And I want to show you a verse for that. Romans chapter 12, a very familiar verse. Romans chapter 12. I know you could quote it. Verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, Paul, after living his life, planting New Testament churches. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Listen, our fallen heroes, they gave themselves as a sacrifice. And it served a purpose in its time. What God is asking you to do is be a living sacrifice. He's not asking you to die. He's asking you to live. But live for Him. What is that living sacrifice? It's your reasonable service. So here's the question. What are you going to do for God? I, I know what Brother and Mrs. Viola are going to do. They're going to go to Panama and preach the gospel. But wait a minute. What are you going to do? What are you going to do for God? What are you going to do for God this week? What are you going to do for God? What are you going to do for God this month? This month. Not next year. Not next decade. Not when you retire. What are you going to do right now for God? Be intentional about serving God. Because the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. If you want to live a life well lived, you need to put God first and be intentional about serving God. What are you going to do for God? Great question. And then lastly, I can't leave this out. Because Paul didn't just say, I'm ready to be offered, my time is at hand. I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. He also said, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So, number four, don't forget to lay up treasure in heaven. Hey, remember what we said in the beginning of this message? This life is just such a short part of our existence because we're going to have the rest of eternity to think about. And you know, I believe that one of the things we're supposed to be doing down here is getting ready for up there. The things that we do, the things that we choose here are going to set the stage, if you will, for our lives and our existence in eternity. So what are you doing for heaven's sake? What are you doing for eternity? What investments, what, what treasure are you laying up in store? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, turn there or mark this or, or write it down if you would, if you're in the habit of taking notes. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break forth and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Isn't it interesting him talking about people stealing your blessing? Look, I, I've been reading on Facebook. People talk about, uh, 
people stealing stuff from them in many ways, ways you wouldn't even think of. And this world has this crazy notion today that it's okay. Hey, you shouldn't be mad at somebody for stealing your, your tool out of your garage. I mean, are you saying that, that uh, you value that tool over their life? Man, you don't, you don't miss the whole point. This isn't a comparison of that tool of their life. You know, when you, when you give that argument, what you're saying is, you're saying it's, number one, you're saying it's okay for them to steal. You're saying stealing's not wrong. Let's get back to the basic. The Bible says, thou, God said, thou shalt not steal. It's wrong to steal. I don't care if I leave my garage door open and the tool sitting right in the middle of the driveway. It's still wrong for you to take it. You know why? Because it's not yours. Stealing is wrong. We have forgotten that as a society. And we just think it's perfectly okay. And you shouldn't punish that person because, after all, that could be, that's just a tool that could be replaced. Well, that's true. That's true. And I vote that the, steal, that the, that the thief replaces it. I mean, where in the world is restitution in our justice system? And if people had to replace, the Bible says they had to pay for it four times. Hey, if criminals had to pay for what they broke and vandalized and stole four times, I think they'd stop taking it. Because it'd be cheaper to just go out and buy one (laughs) than to steal somebody else's and then have to pay for it four times. That's another sermon. You can tell that ain't popular because, I mean, got real quiet. Hey, what I'm really saying is the Lord is telling us you put all your emphasis on the stuff down here. In one way or another, it's eventually going to fade away. Somebody's going to steal it. It's going to rust, right? Or just give up the ghost. It's going to be dead one day. The point is all of this stuff is temporal temporary and if we give all of the focus of our life to these things we'll have no treasure in heaven to look forward to we will have made no investment in the life to come what then what then I don't know about you but when I read Jesus words where he says but lay up treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt nor thieves break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. There's a connection for you, by the way. You see, Jesus is really revealing a secret. If we spend all our time building up treasure down here, what he's really saying is, you're just showing us where your heart is. As believers, if our heart's really in heaven with the Lord like we say, boy, then we should have some treasure going that way. Our treasure should be there and our heart should be there. If you want to lay up treasure in heaven, it boils down basically to these three quick things. Number one, do the right things. Do the right things. By the way, you don't know what the right things are until you read the Word of God. Our world is so warped, they don't even know what right and wrong is anymore. And that's how we are as humans. We can drift so far away from truth that we don't even know what is right. So I encourage you to stick close to God. Read his word every day. 
talk to the Lord. And, and when we say do the right things, I mean, I mean right based on what he says is right. Because what we determine to be right can really be really wrong. We can, we can be really messed up sometimes, and our values can be thrown off base as a result. Do the right things. Number two, have the right motives. Can I say this morning, it's not enough just to do the right thing. You need to do it for the right reason. That is your motive. You need to do the right thing for the right reason. Have the right motives when you serve others. Have the right motives when you serve the Lord. Have the right motives when you deny yourself. Have the right motives when you do the right things. Because that's how you lay up treasure in heaven. God sees your heart. And if your motive's wrong, you could be canceling out your blessing for the very thing that you're doing. Number one, do the right things. Number two, have the right motives. Number three, serve others. Can I tell you something? If you read the Bible and understand its message, then you have to come to the conclusion that this life is not all about you. It's not all about me. My life is not all about me. It's about others, the people that God has put in my life and my sphere of influence and the people he brings across my path like he did these dear missionary friends this morning, bringing them our way. What a blessing. Wasn't that good? Man, I should have just let him preach. God does that. He, he has us cross paths with people that he wants us to come into contact with and sometimes minister to. And sometimes they minister to us. And you see, that's the stuff that life is really made of. And we could miss it if we're always focused on ourself. Serve others. Hey, let me ask you, what are you going to do for others? Who, who, could, who could those others be? Today, when you leave and you go out those doors... I want you to go out like with radar on. I mean, I want your system to be sharp and focused. I want you to be on the alert. I want you to be looking out for who God might bring your way for you to serve. You know what? If we had that kind of focus every day, living for the Lord and serving others, hey, I'm telling you, that is how you have a life well lived. That's the only way Paul could accomplish what he did. Did you know in one occasion Paul said, he said, my hands are clean from the blood of every man. Wow. Do you know what he meant by that? He meant, look, I have shared the gospel with everyone that God wanted me to share the gospel with. And I'm not responsible. Mm, I can't say that. When I look back, I feel like, boy, there, mm, there's opportunities here and there when, when I could have, I should have, and I didn't. How about you? You know, this life is not just about us. Yes, God gave me life, but he put me here to be a blessing, and he put me here to touch others. And there's some people that he's bringing along my way. And if I'm not careful, if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not intentional, I might miss those opportunities to serve others. And when I do that, I fail to lay up treasure in heaven. 
And you know, it's not that hard because the Bible says we can give a cup of cold water in the name of the Lord and receive a reward. It might be something that simple as, as our missionary said, giving a word of encouragement, sharing a cup of water, doing something nice for somebody, patting them on the back. You know, we always think it's so hard to serve God, but it really isn't. You know what's so hard? It's just so hard to get our mind off of ourself and focus on what God has for us. Hey, if you get over that, that's the hard part. And the rest, oh, the rest is so good. A life well lived. I don't know about you. I I say Paul had it, don't you? He said, I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. One day, we're going to need to be able to say that. One day, we're going to need to be in a position where we can look back and say, I have a life well lived. Because I'm saved. Because I didn't live it all for myself. Because I was intentional about serving the Lord. And I laid up a little treasure in heaven. I trust you have. Let's bow our heads. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you for your word. And we just ask you this morning, Lord, that you might touch our hearts, that you might give us some guidance, that you might nudge us a little. Show us, Lord, what we need to do next. Is there one of these areas, Lord, where we should be intentional or focused? Lord, is there someone in our path or or maybe that will be in our path? Lord, help us to have that intentional focus. Help us, Lord, to be ready that we might be able ministers, that we might always have that answer to give those that ask of us, ready to share the gospel, tell them about the hope that lies within us. Lord, help us to be living a life well lived, and not only that, but laying up treasure in heaven, ready one day for our turn to meet you in glory. Lord, we'll thank you for what you do in Christ's name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand together, please. If God is speaking to your heart this morning, I want to give you a moment to respond. And maybe you need to slip out of the pew you're in. And maybe today, maybe today needs to be the day that you come and accept Jesus as your Savior because you want to make sure that you're saved. How about it today? Slip out and come. We'll take a Bible to show you how. Maybe today needs to be the day when you draw a line and say, that's it. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm going to live for the Lord and for others, and I want to be focused on what God has for me to do. Did did you know that's a decision you have to make? Let it start today with you making a decision on purpose. I'm not going to live for self, but I'm going to live for the Lord. If that's you, you slip out and come. Maybe today you need to lay up some treasure in heaven, and God is putting something specific on your heart on your mind about how to do that. Maybe maybe a, a specific place that he wants you to serve in and you know what it is. Would you come and would you answer the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. It's always better when we do what he wants. You slip out and come. This is your time. 
to respond and do what God wants you to do.